I get it. You operate a business in the horse industry and you know you need to be online to grow your business, but you're overwhelmed at the process and you might not even have an idea where to start. Well, I'm glad you're here and I'm glad you're listening to the Digital Hoofprint podcast, a podcast that shares strategy, resources, and motivation for you to grow your horse business online. My name is Abriana and I am a business coach, brand strategist, and designer that works with equine entrepreneurs who are struggling with their online presence. I transform grade horse businesses into industry unicorns. And if you're listening to this podcast, you must be ready to establish your digital hoofprint. Whether you're listening to this while cleaning stalls or after a long day working horses, I'm breaking down this process into digestible nuggets so you can take them and apply them to your business today. Thanks so much for listening again, and let's get into today's episode. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Digital Hoofprint Podcast. My name is Abriana, and I'm the head unicorn in charge over at Black Unicorn Creative. And I have Jill with me from Grapeseed Designs, and I'm so excited to get into everything that she has to offer, kind of how we connected and how this work-life balance, or like I like to say, life-work balance uh, is is incorporated in her life and in her business. So Jill, welcome to the show. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited for the conversation. Yes, 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 I am too. And um, well, let's, I was going to get into a story, but let's, let's start from the beginning. Jill, tell me, you know, what you do with Grapeseed Designs, where you're located, um, and how you even got started. Yeah, so I am currently in Chicago. I've bounced around a little bit. I grew up in Colorado, college in Western New York, Southern California for six years. Now I'm in Chicago. Um, And through all of that, you know, my background is in graphic design. That's what I went to college for. Um, but most of my life, I've just not really fit the corporate box. So I've been full-time employed for a total of nine months out of my entire life. Mm-hmm. Um, I worked for one agency full-time, and then I cut back to part-time with them. Um, and then since then, it's all been contract or freelance sort of work. And a big part of that um, is that I've just had so many different interests that I've wanted to balance. I've always kind of joked with people that like, I can work 60 hours a week so long as it's spread over three different jobs, but doing 40 hours a week in one job, mm-hmm. it's just not going to happen. I feel so it. I was also an ice hockey referee for, um, it's been 20 years now. And I was you know, pursuing some high level national, international stuff. And so that was taking a lot of time and it just, it took a toll trying to balance working at an agency as well as um, doing all the refing that I was doing. It took a major toll on my mental health, which then spilled over into my physical health. Mm -hmm. So, um, and kind of one of the interesting, ironic, weird things about me, it took me a long time to really kind of tune into my mental health. So I was seeing all sorts of manifestations in my physical health and not really understanding what was going on with that. And that dates all the way back to high school. You know, we went through all sorts of testing and whatnot to try to figure out um, why I was sick all the time. And it took a long time to realize that it was tied into my mental health. Mm -hmm. So 
that's why I work the way that I work. Um, you know, I mentioned that my background is in graphic design. So going through various iterations of working with different clients, um, you know, it started with graphic design. I've done mobile app and UX design, a lot of web design. Um, I come from a family of engineers, so I really enjoy the kind of coding side of things. So I mm -hmm. really like um, developing I mean, it pretty much started with email campaigns, doing all the coding for that and doing a lot of websites from scratch. Now I'm a web developer with um, WordPress and the framework of Divi. So it just does, you know, the heavy lifting and then I can go in and just customize things rather than trying to reinvent the wheel every time. Yeah. So I love all of that. I really love getting into the deeper brand stories with my clients. So, mm -hmm. you know, I'm a graphic designer, I'm a web designer. But that's like the last 20% of polish that I put onto my projects. So I do a lot of the same sort of strategy that you talk about. Mm -hmm. um, we're really trying to dig into who the clients are, what differentiates them from the competition. Um, I really love working with very niche, unusual companies mm -hmm. that don't have kind of a clear industry. There's Their competitors aren't ne necessarily very clear um, and they have a hard time communicating why customers should buy from them. So, you know, their target customer absolutely needs them, but doesn't know they exist. So how do you communicate who you are and why that customer does need you so that they can, you know, give a solid heck yeah um, when they come across you? Yeah, yeah. I love all that. Love all that. And so... I, I was going to kind of get into how we first connected before, but I wanted I wanted people to to understand, you know, what you do and where you're coming from before all of that. But um, Jill responded to to one of the emails in my welcome series, and I was like, "Heck yeah! Like, let's hop on a call. Let's have a conversation." So since you know I work primarily with businesses in the equine industry, let's talk a little bit about how horses have shown up in your life and and how and what you know kind of things you've taken away from that yeah um so i grew up in colorado i colorado springs so it is a city but a smaller city mm -hmm. um and my mom likes to tell the story about how on my sixth birthday i started counting down the days until my seventh birthday because that's when i was allowed to start taking lessons at the barn nearby mm -hmm. so um, I grew up riding Western. Um, I've never owned or leased a horse, um, but I have done everything I can to stay around them. So, you know, my childhood was very much hockey and horses. There's always been kind of a push and pull between the two. Mm -hmm. um, but they both taught me a lot about life and myself and just kind of, I'm also fascinated with psychology and horses are great teachers with that too, kind of being aware of the less obvious. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, I started writing when I was seven years old and, you know, by the time I got to middle school, I was helping to teach some of the younger students, do some of their groundwork classes. I was leading some of the trail guides or trail tours that they would let some of the, the classes go on. Mm -hmm. um, and then when I got to high school, I started volunteering with therapeutic writing centers. That's been kind of a steady theme throughout my life. You know, I've worked with them in Colorado and New York and California and here in Chicago. Mm -hmm. um, and that's one of those awesome things, just kind of seeing the less obvious and less tangible benefits of just being around horses and seeing how that can affect um, 
people physically, mentally, and emotionally. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I've, I've done everything I can to try to stay around horses. Um, you know, I've had a few odd jobs with it. One of the best summers of my life, probably the best summer of my life. I worked as a tour guide in garden of the gods in Colorado Springs was in the saddle, you know, like six hours a day, like five days a week. Um, and it was just best shape of my life I've ever been in (laughs) the views and just getting to enjoy what I was doing. It was, it was fantastic. Uh, Yeah. 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 I bet that was an absolutely amazing experience. Um, so You've told us a little bit about your your journey kind of through entrepreneurship. I mean, only being employed full time for nine months like that. Some people can't even fathom like what that even looks like. But um, I want to kind of just get into how this this life work balance has played a part in your life, because you said, you know, you you identified pretty early that you weren't meant for that corporate box and that that just wasn't something that was going to serve you so it sounds like to me that you kind of had that self-realization and you know I have to put me first instead of continuing to cram and you know trying to fit that mold so talk about like like entrepreneurship and that experience and how that's developed into grapeseed designs and what you have going on now. Yeah. And I definitely have to acknowledge that I was super blessed and privileged that um, coming out of college, I wound up marrying my college sweetheart. Mm -hmm. And so he was an engineer. He had a great job and he was kind of able to help support me as I tried to figure things out, Mm -hmm. um, you know, between hockey and design and just kind of what, what pieces needed to fall together in what ways. And the marriage didn't last, but I do absolutely have to acknowledge that if it had just been me coming out of college, I wouldn't be where I am right now. So, you know, I definitely had that blessing that I had the option to kind of explore that way. You know, I had parents when I was growing up that they were very careful to never tell my brother and I no, not in the sense of like not having discipline. We had a lot of discipline and boundaries and whatnot, Mm -hmm. but if we were interested in playing an instrument or if we were interested in a new sport or, you know, they did everything they could to make sure that we had the opportunities that we we wanted. Mm -hmm. So I was able to have a wide range of interests and passions growing up. And that was something that I was able to kind of carry over into my adult life. Mm -hmm. So, you know, starting out working as a referee, a lot of people call that a side hustle for me. It was so much more than that. It was a second career. I absolutely had like two very solid, um, not full-time jobs in the sense of hours, but certainly the amount of energy and effort that I was putting into them. Um, So, you know, balancing the two of those when um, that relationship fell apart and I moved to Chicago, um, you know, I still had that kind of focus was still working as a referee um, and trying to figure out I'd done the freelancing, but now I needed to 100% pay my bills myself. Mm -hmm. Um, And I actually had a major medical crisis about six months after I came to Chicago which kind of took refing off the table for a little while and made me really focus on getting a job that paid a little bit better. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And so I, I wound up with a client that I'm actually still working with. It's been a solid five and a half years with them. Um, and they've kind of been that cornerstone. And that's one thing that's really allowed me to continue doing, having these multiple passions and doing, you know, several things on the side is I have a client that pays me well as a contractor and has given me the space to deal with my mental health, deal with my physical health, but also, you know, work with other freelance clients and, um, you know, start other passion projects. I've talked about Grapeseed Designs. I'm actually um, in the middle of launching a co-working space here in Chicago as well. And that's kind of turned into an online community with, you know, COVID pivots and whatever not. I always wanted yeah. that online side to it, mm -hmm. but I thought that was going to come later after the physical space, yeah. but things got flipped. So that is the Grapeseed Collective. Mm -hmm. um, and with, you know, working in design and the websites and really wanting to dig in deeper with my clients, I like to work with kind of growth stage, not necessarily startup stage. Mm -hmm. um, clients, but I realized there was a gap that there were a lot of people I was passionate about working with, mm -hmm. um, that weren't ready for that large scale service. Mm -hmm. And so I've been able to kind of serve them with the community and one-on-one -on -one coaching and some virtual tools and whatnot, um, in order to kind of get them on their way. And it's been super fulfilling for me. Again, I've been super blessed that I have this cornerstone client that's been able to kind of carry me through all of this and build out dreams and passion projects that I'm super stoked to see them like really take off. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. So I feel like, um, I I'm glad that you, you brought it up the different, um, you know, positions in your life that have afforded you the opportunity to do these additional things because I feel like sometimes people will you know look from obviously from the outside looking in and like they're like how like how is this you know even happening and I'm I'm a hundred percent it's it's um being able to say like, you know, this is, this is what has afforded this opportunity, but you still had to work to get that. So, yeah. um, what does it look like to, you know, have this, this client that you have been able to work on these multiple projects with and maintain that, that client contractor relationship? Yeah. I mean, they're a small startup. So they originally brought me in to do a website. They also had a mobile app that wasn't an intended product for them. It was meant to be an internal tool and it wound up working really well. So then when the website went really well, then they wanted me to skin the app. And then that kind of got into some of the user interface stuff. And the more design stuff I was doing, they didn't have much, they didn't have a marketing department. They had somebody that they had hired about a week before me. Um, to do some of the marketing strategy stuff, but she didn't have a design background. Mm -hmm. um, so we worked a lot um, together in kind of doing that marketing strategy. And she wound up not staying with the company. Um, and so a lot of that marketing stuff fell to me as well. Mm -hmm. So one of the awesome things about this client is that I've been able to wear a lot of hats and develop a lot of skill sets that you know, my writing skills were already very, very solid. Um, so they brought a lot of writing projects to me. Um, 
you know, anytime their sales team needed a brochure about a particular service or products that they were selling, um, they had been doing them themselves, but they were like, wait, Jill can do this better um, and she can do it quickly. So let's hand this over. And so it was a very sort of like very startup agile environment that I was able to grow a lot of skills in. Mm -hmm. um, and that took me to the next level with my other clients too. Mm -hmm. um, it made it possible for me to offer other services and you know other packages. Um, and then going through all of that, you know, I've developed a lot of perspective on what does and doesn't work for building a new business um, or you know working for yourself. So mm -hmm. I see a lot of people that want to just quit their job and go whole hog right into having a business of their own. And the truth is that that's possible. There are people that do that, mm -hmm. but I would argue that most, and I don't have numbers on it, but I would argue that most people that are independent had a job that was a cornerstone that got their bills paid while they hustled on the side to right. put the framework together. Mm -hmm. um, and the truth is like, you know, I've only been full-time employed for nine months, but I've had these part-time jobs or these cornerstone um, clients that have afforded me the ability to pay my bills and then build these other pieces on the side. Yeah. Um, so it's also kind of funny. People ask me how long I've been in business and it's, it's a hard thing to answer mm -hmm. um, because I've been independent since 2009. Mm -hmm. um, but I haven't always taken the whole thing seriously as a business. You know, I've, I've kind of put myself not as an employee, but I've had various jobs and I'm finally getting to a point in the last three to five years or so that I'm structuring it more with systems and trying to be smarter about the way I work. Um, and a lot of that came from being frustrated with trading dollars for hours. You know, there's a cap to that. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I transitioned into doing package prices instead of, you know, an hourly price which the more efficient you get at repeating the same process, you know, the more value you add to your customers, but also the fewer hours you spend on it. So the value increases while your time investment decreases. That's a way to increase your income. Um, and then I've also been really interested in developing courses and this community and other ways to kind of separate my time from the dollar value. Right. Right, right. And that is something that I talk to with my clients also, like, how can you, you know, time is, is finite, you know, you yep. only have so much of it. And so when we look at life work balance, it's like, you're going to have to have that separation. You're going to have to have that, that, um, uh, the currency, like, what is that exchange rate? And yep. when you say, you know, I'm going to provide these packages or provide this service when it's tied to that hourly thing, that's the only way, like there's no diversification of services. Right. And that's when you get to the point of burnout or you get to, you know, honestly, all of the time you have shouldn't be filled with work, you know, just because right. you have this many hours doesn't mean you should have to work this many hours because that caps your income. And so, you know, working with people in the horse industry and saying, hey, you know, you know, you only have a finite amount of time, you know, and not only with this time comes sometimes a lot of physical labor, 
Mm-hmm. You know, it comes with the, the management of your business. You know, you can't always work in your business yeah. because you won't have time to work on it and, and facilitate that growth and, and have those conversations about what else I can do. And so I, I really, I really am so glad that you brought that up, but I want to kind of pull out of that. How have, or, or maybe what types of um, systems or um, support have you kind of developed to, to help you with this, this balancing act we call entrepreneurship? <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, part of it is creating repeatable processes. So, you know, when I was working dollars for hours and still, even for this one client, it's not the same product over and over again, which you talked a little bit about, you know, the resources and currency of time versus money, but there's a third one involved too, and that's energy. Mm -hmm. And that's one that I find to be really not scarce, but kind of scarce. It's one that I have to be very mindful of. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, if I'm working five hours on something that I know and understand and have repeated a number of times and I'm good at, that takes far less energy for me than working five hours for a task that like I'm learning something new while implementing it for a client. So, you know, some of it is in the products that I'm offering, um, the projects and being able to repeat those things. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of it is systems for myself in, you know, working on my business. Mm -hmm. So how invoicing works Um, with the community, I have events that we're putting up and then the way that I market those. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I have, I guess they're SOPs, um, just like lists of, okay, tick this off, tick this off, tick this off. And like, yes, I can remember those things, but the less I have to actually remember that I can put on a list, the less energy and capacity I'm putting into the memories and the more I can put into creative work. And I do that in my personal life too. Like I don't want to have to rely on my memory. So I'm crazy about lists and sticky notes and just processes and you know, being multi-passionate and having so many different ideas rattling around in my head all the time, mm-hmm. a lot of times I really have to kind of focus myself back down and be like, no, right now is client work. You've got all these ideas, put them on a list. And then, you know, you can look at that when you have my schedule. I work very kind of modular. I know that in the mornings I do better with creative work mm-hmm. afternoons. I don't want to come back after lunch. So I schedule my meetings then because then I have to, yeah. um, But being able to have those kind of containers of knowing this is when I can think about that. So don't, you know, stay focused on this thing because you're allowed to think about that Mm -hmm. later. Mm -hmm. So, you know, kind of having those systems to stay on track when I've got so many different ideas and thoughts and passions and whatnot. Yeah. Um, And then also like systems, it's kind of systems, but like the digital products is another thing. Like what can you scale. So I've done when you're exchanging dollars for hours, that's a one-to-one and you can't scale it. So if you can take a one-to-one offering and create a one-to-few or even one-to-many, you know, the amount of time and energy that you invest in it might be more than what you do one-to-one, but it's a lot less than you would do one-to-one five times. Right. Um, Right. So being able to do, whether it's a group, uh, group lessons 
or if it's putting out a course that people can just buy from you, you know, you can invest. A lot of people think that a course is like you do it and you set it and you forget it and it's done. And that's not true. Like you do have to come back and kind of revamp it over time. You know, mm-hmm. the world changes so quickly yeah. that, you know, six months to a year later, there's going to be different information. So you do have to come back and revamp those things, but you can put your energy into it and put it out in the world and let it run. So um, kind of like running analytics on your website, like you have to get data, like you put it out there, you get data. And then again, you give yourself a container. I'm not going to touch this for three months, six months, especially as a creative type. It's really easy for me to want to go in and tweak things all the time. So setting containers and being like, okay, this is what it is for the next six months. If there's an emergency, I can jump in and fix it, but then I'm going to go back and look at the data in six months. Mm -hmm. Um, and that works for the marketing that works for, you know, sales funnels. It works for web traffic. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, kind of creating systems like that as well and being able to plan your business, like work smarter, not harder, which means having strategy, mm-hmm. like know what your offerings are, know what your energy is like throughout the day and throughout the week so that you can optimize your time and your energy. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if, you know, the chores that are manual labor that are, you can kind of be autopilot on. Mm -hmm. If you're in a good mood, a happy mood, an energetic mood in the mornings, and you can be more interactive and more in touch with your horses. A lot of folks do the chores first thing in the morning, but how much of that can you save for later when you need to be on autopilot? And, you know, so kind of like readjusting the type of work that, that fits better in different parts of your life. So that's, you know, smarter, not harder. You can fit more in that way because you're balancing your energy and your time. Mm-hmm. Um, but then having the systems and the the offerings that you can set and forget, or at least have that come back to at a later time. Right. Right. That's awesome. Yes. All of that. All of that. <laughs> and so um, a lot of times when, when we have these, these conversations, you know, I, surveyed um, quite a few horse business owners and they're like, you know, what is your biggest challenge? Work-life balance, work-life, what do you, um, or how do you help someone like identify when something is out of balance? Because a lot of times, you know, people will say that because they're tired Mm -hmm. or they'll, they'll say that because, you know, they're just not, it, it's really equated to time. You know, they feel like they don't have enough time to do what they, they really want to do. But I know for me, I look at it, at it as more of like alignment. Like, yeah. do, do you feel like you're even aligned? Like you might not be tired, but you're not fulfilled kind of thing. So mm-hmm. So how do you, you know, I know that you work with people who are, you know, in their businesses and are, um, you know, working on that growth stage. Um, How do you kind of identify or help other people identify when they are out of alignment? Yeah, um, there's a few things. Um, We'll see if I can keep my thoughts in order for all of them. (laughs) Um, And that one of the reasons that the community is so powerful is because in putting things to words, we get power out of that. Mm -hmm. Um, So 
even just sitting and talking to somebody that you know and you trust, even if they don't necessarily know what you're doing, being able to verbalize it and have somebody be like, wait, that didn't make sense. Go back and like dig into that more. That can be super powerful. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, if you're just working for yourself and, you know, kind of doing this in your own little silo, you don't have somebody that you can bounce ideas off of at some point in time. um, Lists are my friend. I, I mentioned that before, but it's not just making sure that I stay on track with something, but it's also getting all of my ideas out of my head and onto paper so that I can actually see them. Mm -hmm. Um, And it makes them more tangible. So two ways that I use lists, one of the um, tools that I was taught by another community that I'm in um, is the what's working, kind of working, not working. So you take a piece of paper, write down everything you do in your business, Um, you know, feeding, vetting, um, exercising, marketing, you're developing your website, you're, um, you know, just like every mundane little thing, like, and developing your website, it's okay, what are you updating prices? Are you, you know, going through and writing out, you know, the content Um, with your marketing? Is it Instagram? Is it answering questions? Is it developing content. So write out absolutely everything that you're doing. And then from that, use a sheet that's split into three columns. And what of those things is working, kind of working and not working. And this is both bringing in money, but also making you feel good about your business and what you're doing. So if you love it and it's making you money, that's something that's working. If you love it and it's not really making you money, it's probably, it's kind of working. Or if it's making you good money, but you don't really love it, it's kind of working. Mm -hmm. If it's not making you money and you don't love it, get rid of it. Yeah. So prioritizing, um, using a list in order to kind of make everything tangible, really see what it is that you're doing, Mm -hmm. um, and then be able to prioritize and see what you can trim out. Um, Another great thing that comes out of this is you can kind of, define job classifications um, and roles that you are wearing hats for. So, you know, you're the CFO, that you're making sure that there's um, invoices going out to your clients and that money is coming in and the the balance sheets are up to date. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you might be a marketing strategist that you're doing your social media, you're doing your content development, you're doing, keeping your website up to date, you're managing your um, social media ads. Um, You know, you are the CEO deciding what in your business, you know, the strategies that need to work and need to not work and kind of making the decisions of what you're going to do next with your, with your business. I've also found that the CEO is often the last one that people or the first one that they let fall off the list. And that's dangerous is when you're no longer working strategy, like that seems like the one hat that's not going to bring in as much income. Right. Um, but it's the essential one that makes sure that all the other ones are working. Right. And then, you know, you've got your, like your social media strategist and you've got your, you know, your horse trainer and you've got your barn manager. Um, So it's totally fine if you can't outsource these, but you know what your roles are and you can see how much work you're really doing. Mm -hmm. And then if, and when you are able to outsource, or if you realize that there's a grouping of tasks in one job description that you just really don't like, but has to get done, Mm -hmm. you can make a goal. You can figure out, okay, that person would take X salary or, you know, so many dollars per hour. 
what do I need to do in order to make that money that I can afford that to somebody else that frees up more time for me to do the things I really like. Right. So then the other thing that I do with lists is again, prioritizing. So you get rid of the stuff that's not working at all. Mm -hmm. um, and then prioritize like what brings in money. That's your, that's your top responsibility. You got to make sure that that gets done. Mm -hmm. Um, but creating these lists and figuring out what kind of an order of operations, mm -hmm. you know, people always told me they're like, okay, what is, you know, if you get overwhelmed, I'm always looking 20 steps down the line. And sometimes that freaks me out. Cause then I don't know what steps 10 and 12 are. Right. Um, and so you get that like paralysis of, mm -hmm. I don't know where I'm going. So I don't know how to take the first step. And the common wisdom is, okay, you just have to take the next right step. And I'm like, well, if I don't know where I'm going, how do I know what that step is? And I had this realization fairly recently is, okay, number out all of the steps that you do know that you have to do and, you know, kind of play with them. This is another reason I like sticky notes is I can kind of like move them around and shuffle the order and whatnot. Yeah. Um, and then you can figure out, okay, in order to achieve this thing, you can work backwards and say, okay, to do that, I need to do this. And in order to accomplish that, I need to do this other thing. And you can work backwards to what that next right thing is. Mm -hmm. um, and then you're just taking one step at a time. And if you get to step five and realize that it's not going the direction that you want it to, or it's not something that you're really loving, mm -hmm. you know, you thought that it was going to be something super fulfilling and you wind up like realizing that you're just like slamming your head against a wall, mm -hmm. you can let it go at step five. You don't have to get to step 20 before you say, this isn't working and I'm going to try something else that works better. Right. Right. I love all of that. I love all of those, those tools. Um, I feel like people think like when they hear the word strategy, they, it, they kind of glaze over, you know, like, like it's going to be some person like with a long pointer stick, like clicking on this PowerPoint and all that stuff. But you know, when we talk about being strategic, like that's so like for my planner, the Equipreneur planner, um, the, the framework around that is prioritize plan profit. And mm -hmm. it's not meant to be, you know, going over someone's head or, you know, like you're in a boardroom and you're doing a presentation. That's not it. It's, it's making decisions in a particular order that makes sense for you you know and yep. so those those tools that you just mentioned are great ways to you know if you get overwhelmed to to put those um or, or to flesh everything out you know you don't know, have to know the order immediately but you do have to have all the pieces and right. so you say you know i got all the pieces to this puzzle let me look at the box okay mm -hmm. when you're putting together a puzzle you work with the pieces that you have. You might start at the top right and then you can't find the pieces that, you know, so then you're like, okay, well, these go together in the bottom left, you know? And it's like, right. you know, it, it all comes together and makes a, a picture, but you just have to have all the pieces first. And you have to say, okay, like clearly this one's blue and that one's orange. They don't go together. So we're not going to, yep. you know, try to force it kind of thing. So I absolutely, absolutely love those, those tips that you gave. So I and in your, in your bit about the puzzle, like it's totally fine that you focus on that blue area for a while, you know, you're going to have to do the orange at some point, but it doesn't have to be now, you know, you are building out that full picture. 
Yeah. And I think one thing, you know, your point about like presentations, the long pointer, the, you know, Excel spreadsheets or whatever that people are like, I don't want to do all that stuff. Yeah. Strategy isn't just that. Um, right. Strategy starts with giving yourself space to dream. So mm -hmm. in design, um, there's something that we call white space. And it's basically the area in a design that doesn't have something in it. Yeah. But white space is just as important as the black space, as the active space, mm -hmm. um, because it gives the eye rest and it draws the eye to the important parts that need attention. So in our businesses, in our lives, it's important to kind of build that white space in. And this comes back to that life-work balance as well. Yeah, if, yeah. If you are working constantly, you never have the white space to kind of step back and breathe and figure out, is this aligned? Do I like what I'm doing? Is there a better, more efficient way to do it? Mm -hmm. So I actually do um, what's called a CEO day. And I do them quarterly. And I actually, I've got a couple of friends that we've started doing retreats for like two or three days. And we usually like kind of book in them on a weekend. So yeah. that it doesn't take too much out of our week. But yeah. we literally like rent a cabin somewhere and get out of our space and go. And it's just working on our businesses. Mm -hmm. And day one, usually I'm looking at, so we do these quarterly, but some people like to do them once a year or twice a year, every six months. Mm -hmm. um, so my day one is just going back and like analyzing what the last period looked like. You know, what did my finances look like? Um, you know, the KPIs that are coming into my business, whether it's marketing or the actual income or whatever else. And then the next day is all about dreaming. So I've got the facts, um, kind of figure out what did and what didn't work for the last period of time. Mm -hmm. And then day two is just dreaming. Like usually I don't even want to be on my computer. I just take a notebook. I'm an avid bullet journalist. Yeah. Um, so just thinking about, okay, well, where would I like for this to go? It doesn't matter where I'm at right now. What would I love for this to look like? and then kind of work your way backwards. So if you've got a five-year plan, awesome. What's it going to take to get there? If for the longest time, I couldn't tell you what I wanted in five years. If you mm -hmm. don't know in five years, what's your three year? If you don't know your three years, come back to one year. You know, with COVID, a lot of us couldn't even do one year. We didn't know what a year was going to look like. So bring it down to the six months, like whatever it is that you can handle, yeah. do that. And once you exercise that kind of dreaming, scheming muscle, you'll start being able to see the pieces falling together farther into the future. But then coming back and reverse engineering it and being like, okay, I want to be here in a year. Mm -hmm. What do I need to achieve by the six months? What do I need to achieve by, you know, the next quarter? And then in order to get that quarterly goal, how do I want to break that down month to month? And then, you know, if you want to get granular, you can get week to week. I wouldn't go day to day with um, goals or strategies like that. Yeah. Um, even week to week and month to month, I have to give myself a lot of grace to just be like, if this doesn't work, it's okay. you know, you adjust again, that's like the modular. It's like, okay, if this, if I need to work on something else here, then mm -hmm. this can get swapped out to a different place. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. Um, you know, the reverse engineering of your business and, and the, the goals that you have the steps that it's going to take to get there. I mean, that's, that's literally how I, I do it when I'm overwhelmed, you know, like you said yeah. before, just like breaking it all down and then building it up. Um, that's definitely helpful for people when they're 
not only when they're just getting started, but also oh, yeah. been in business for a while. And that's a lot of times what I see. They're like, I've been doing this for 15 years. Mm -hmm. And especially with COVID, like this was when I realized that either this is not working or this won't continue to work because, right. you know, either I have different priorities or my clients have different priorities or the dynamic has just shifted. So, you know, I think the last year and a half, two years has, have given us, you know, a little bit more of a insight into what if, mm -hmm. what what if this doesn't work or, you know, what if this changes or what if there is something that something else you could do or something you would want to do that is not this, you know? Right. Um, so that is why I am, you know, doing this content series called Life Work Balance because I don't want people to First of all, I don't think balance exists, <laughs> but I don't want people to, you know, continue to say like, I, I you know, words have power. Mm -hmm. And I feel like when we talk about work-life balance, that it's us putting work first and mm -hmm. we have discovered in the last year and a half that for a lot of us, that's not enough. Mm -hmm. you know, we either work jobs that aren't fulfilling enough to make that a reality, or we don't have like pandemic proof jobs that will support us in these, you know, in the event that we are in these life emergencies and that's when life comes first. And so, you know, that is, that is the whole onus around this, this content series. And I'm so thankful that you've been able to hop on and contribute to that. Um, so I really appreciate your time today. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah. So let everybody know where they can find you, where they can find the collective um, and how they can best get in contact with you. Yeah. So we are going through a rebrand with the collective. So it was because it started as a local co-working space. It was Avil Cowork. It's named after the neighborhood that we're in. Um, but if you go to grapeseeddesigns.com, so it's grape like you eat the seed that's in the middle of it, designs with an S at the end, um, dot com, there's a pop-up that comes up and talks about how we're merging. And then you can go to either the collective which is still the Avil Cowork branding, but it gives you all the information about that. Mm -hmm. Or you can go into kind of the design side of things. Um, so it gives you the option for both of those things. Um, so that's the best place to find me there. Um, I am in the middle of launching our Instagram for Grapeseed Collective. Um, so that will be where the two brands are kind of merged together. It has no content on it yet, but if you want to go follow, it's just Grapeseed Collective on Instagram. Mm -hmm. um, so that's going to be the merging of the co-working right now is Avil, A-V-I-L-L-E dot co-work on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And the design is Grapeseed Designs. But if you're looking for the future, just go to Grapeseed Collective on Instagram. Well, I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as I enjoyed putting it together. Don't forget, subscribe to this podcast as well as leave a review and let us know how this episode has helped you in your horse business. Don't forget to connect with us over on social media, Facebook or Instagram at Black Unicorn Creative. See you guys on the next episode.